Bootstrapping your business can sometimes feel lonely. Welcome to the Bootstrapped European Entrepreneur Podcast, where you can hear the stories of your peers, as well as the strategies and tactics that have helped them grow their businesses. Your host, Uroj, co-founded a company as a student and led it through the trials and tribulations of bootstrapping to the IPO on the stock exchange. Hi, our guest today is Matej Bieszczak, co-founder and chief marketing officer of Golden Tree. They started in Slovenia with a single weight loss course under the brand Popona Postava, which means perfect figure in English. Now they run an e-commerce company focused entirely on selling high-quality dietary supplements in several European countries. In this episode, we discuss how they developed the first product, their approach to new product development, why they expanded internationally really early in their company's history, and how they're opening up new markets. I hope you will enjoy this episode. Hi, Matej. Thank you for joining us here today. Hey, Urosh. Thank you for inviting me. So your story for me, at least when it started, it was not quite obvious, let's say, because uh, you started in Slovenia. It's a small country. And you started with a product I thought that it's too small market for, let's say. So... How did this idea of yours came about? How did you start it? And what the idea was, actually? As three founders, I started the company in 2013, 2014. It was a health and fitness company. We wanted to help people lose weight, get in shape, eat healthy, that kind of stuff, right? And yeah, I mean, the first the idea was I was looking at trends in the United States, in Europe, what's going on, right, in the health and fitness space. And I saw there's a lot of personal trainers presenting their workouts, meal plans, and so on, right? Yeah. The same as you see influence do today, right? And back then, there was no one in Slovenia, like, really shooting videos, giving advice on videos on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook, and so on, right? So we got the idea, look, let, let's try this. Let's try this in Slovenia. We are not sure what no, what no, no one is doing this. Maybe it's not going to work. Maybe it's not going to work in Slovenia or it's going to work and we might have a successful company, right? Because we were not sure. We were just all of us starting as entrepreneurs and, and we wanted to see how it's all going to go, right? So first, uh, first year, we kind of worked everything for free. We put out a lot of free content, a lot of... Uh, free advice on how to eat healthy, work out, and so on, right? And then a second year, we developed our first uh, weight loss program uh, in Slovenian language. And uh, it was quite a success. And after that, we saw, okay, look, we have something here, right? So we were not, we were not wrong. Apparently, no one tried this approach before to really, you know, connect with people, shoot videos with, uh, we had, with advice and uh, everything like this. And uh, when we saw some success, we knew that we don't just want to be in Slovenia, right? We wanted to expand to other countries uh, in Europe. And uh, I think in the second year, we already expanded to Croatia and then also Germany and so on. Okay, so uh, I, I have a, let's say, a question here. So you didn't do any, let's say, market research. You just tried it and see if it sticks. Because in my mind, let's say, when I saw, saw it first, I was like, okay, how 
would these guys even break even because it's a so small market, let's say, uh, just of 2 million people and let's say online courses between before COVID hit, let's say people were not so used to uh, paying for, let's say, online courses in this region and so on. Yeah, interesting question. So how how I see it, right? We didn't want to build like a generic workout program or a generic plans or something like that. We wanted to really solve a specific problem, right? And all our communication, for example, for our first product we have, for our first product was a weight loss course. Our whole communication was really, look, if you're going to follow this course from start to end, you're going to lose weight, right? And this was our whole promise, and it solves a big problem that people have, right? And when you solve a big problem, people are going to buy your your product, right? If you market it and communicate it right. At the end of the day, right, it's it's not really, is it a course, is it a video, is it a product? If it solves a problem... Right, and people see that they actually they can achieve something with it. Right, they're gonna invest. They're gonna buy. Right, that that's how that's how I see things. Uh, okay, so for you, it was actually let's say you started with a problem, and then videos, and so it was just let's say way one of the potential solutions. Let's say yes. Okay, because usually let's say tech companies start the other way around. They you get really hyped up, uh, around their own product, and they start. Then they start looking for the market. Let's say. Yes. Yes. Ex- yeah. I know. I know this problem because obviously before our uh, company, I also spent some time with startups and so on. And I know this is a common problem, right? You you first build a product, and then you need to find your customers, right? They call it product market fit, right? But but how I see it, and how a lot of entrepreneurs would be much more successful if they do it, right? Just Find a problem that you want to solve and then build a product that solves this problem, right? Much, much better approach, if you ask me. So what was then, let's say, the biggest challenge at this early phase of your company? Like, was it, let's say, the production of the videos? Was it, uh, let's say, learning online uh, marketing tools? What was the challenge, if you still remember, let's say? At the beginning stages, I would say the biggest hurdles are definitely marketing and sales, I would say. Uh, because at the beginning, even if you're solving a very painful problem, right, with a good product, you still need to find a way to market it profitably. How I see it, right? To, to sell it profitably, right? To generate a profit, to generate revenue and obviously a profit so the company can grow, right? So I think in the first stage, it's, it's all about the sales and marketing, I would say. Uh, did you start with uh, paid advertising right away, or did you, let's say, uh, rely on the community that you built, free videos and so on? No, at the beginning it was actually all content marketing with videos. You know, back then in 2014, 2013, you could actually get a lot of free organic reach on Facebook. Yeah which nowadays is obviously non-existent. <laughs> but back then, when you would build, you could build an audience on Facebook, uh, we, would build, uh, we would shoot videos and we would actually get a lot of engagement. And we were just building our email list practically with free advice we were giving on Facebook, uh, blog posts, videos. Yeah, so, so we built probably our database of emails to, I don't know, a couple thousand people. And when we launched, this first uh, weight loss course, 
we sold about our I, I remember that our goal was to sell 100 100 courses uh, at the end I think we sold maybe 80 something like this but still you know once we got our first product and we launched it the company was from this point on getting revenue it was profitable right it was small yeah, it was actually a company it was actually yeah it was right it was still very small but it was profitable and you know the whole 2014 we were then trying to make the facebook ads for it and trying different things and at the beginning i remember this clearly at the beginning of 2015 we all three decided we're, good, we're just going to work full time on this company right and we were still basically just had one product in one market, uh, which was Slovenia, right? Austria. But it was generating enough revenue for us to work on it full time. What changed, let's say, after focusing full time on the company? So h- how I see it now, right? When, when, uh, when we were all starting out and also when I see some young entrepreneurs, um, you, have a, you have a lot of ideas, right? And I, to this point, I think I always had like three to five projects going on, right? I would do this, I would do this. I thought I was a serial entrepreneur, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, but you have, you're everything doing yourself, right? Maybe with a couple of partners, but you're doing everything yourself. I think you're a serial entrepreneur and everything. And I think at this time, I just realized, look, the things are not growing as fast as I wanted to. And how I'm going to build three to five companies to 1 million euros in revenue, for example, right? If I haven't even built one, right? So maybe a good idea would be to first build one. And then if I have time and resources, maybe pursue other ideas, right? So this was a little bit of game changer for me because before that I, I thought that I can do more things than one, which you could, right? But it's not going to grow as fast just because you, you don't have experience with it, right? Now it would be a lot different, right? If I would start a new company, for example, right? Uh, because they have much more experience. And I think now looking back, this was a huge lesson that I needed to learn that uh, I need to focus, you really need to focus on uh, one thing if you really want to grow it fast, if you ask me. So were you still, let's say, focused on just one product or did you started adding new products to uh, your portfolio? Yes. So I think uh, I think in this year we started developing our first workouts. Yeah. Because we were successfully selling the weight loss scores for now maybe one, two years. And it was starting to slow down, right? Because it, we saturated the market, basically, right? And we knew that we need to innovate, we need to do new stuff if we want to grow, right? So we were listening to our customers a lot and we, we saw that a, a, a workout program would be a good next product. So we developed that and then I know in 2015, we also started Croatia, Croatian market, we started the Croatian market, and we started to employ first people, right? It was also uh, quite interesting 
to start with. And okay, can, can we maybe let's explore this a little bit uh, in more detail. First, this was what, after two years or three years, and you, let's say, opened another market. I really like this because most of the company, let's say, in the region stay local for far too long. So why, what made, what made you do it? So before, before we started our company, Pona Postava, right? I was already doing online marketing on, let's say, on a, on, on a global level in the English language and so on, right? When, and when we, when we started uh, Pona Postava in Slovenia, I was always like, look, we need to start somewhere. We're going to start in Slovenia, right? But I don't just want to be, we don't just want to be a Slovenian company. We want to expand to other markets, right? This was always, I think, our goal from the beginning. Slovenia was just our test market, I would say. And then we wanted to expand. And when, when you don't have experience, right, with expanding other markets and so on, the Croatia is your usually your best choice when you don't have experience, right? Because it's, we know it the most, right? It's the most similar to Slovenia. And I think back then this was a good decision, but today I would do it differently, right? I would go directly to Germany, for example, because it's the biggest European market, right? But back then, I think it was a good first step because we didn't know how it's going to work. You know, we need to employ new people, you know, additional operations and so on. So it was a good next step, yeah. So you started to expand in Croatia, was there something, let's say, that you learned in this first attempt at uh, addressing different markets? One interesting thing happened because although we were selling an online course, right, uh, weight loss program was the first one, we quickly realized that it's going to be a good idea if we also do it in a physical version. So the reason for this was so that people can also buy it through COD, right? Cash on delivery. Okay. Because we quickly realized that in Slovenia and Croatia, our conversion rate is going to be much, much better and returns much, much lower if people actually receive a physical thing in the mail, right? So, so we had it on the CDs back then. It was really a win-win situation because our conversions went up because people still don't realize how many people in our region actually buy stuff through COD, right? It's still the majority of the sales. Still to to this day? Yes, I think so. I would need to check the numbers, but I think it's, yes, way more than 50%. And we also knew, right, that our refunds are going to go down. Because before that, when you have an online program, someone can just write to you, hey, I would like to get a refund. Because we had this policy, right? You can return your product. If you're, if you're not satisfied with the, pro- with the product, you can get a refund, no questions asked, basically. right? Yeah. And, and we know if a program is just online course, it's really easy to just write one email and you get a refund, right? And, but if you get a physical product for a refund, you need to return it, right? So there's like mental hurdle, uh, let's say, and physical stuff that you have to do, like go to the post office and mail it. Yes, 
Yeah, so the people that really want a refund, they're going to get it, right? But it's one more step, right? So that lowers our refund as well. Uh, this, was, this was one interesting thing about also Slovenia and Croatia because I don't really remember anything special at this point about Croatia because all the things we were doing, right, were just basically copy-paste, right? Everything we were doing in Slovenia, we were then doing Croatia, right? And this is the same way we then approach all other markets as well in, in Europe. Uh-huh. So you we have standardized operations across all, all the other markets? Yes, yes. We try to do everything in-house centralized, basically, right? And then we just, the best way to explain it is we just try to copy-paste it to other markets, right? Because if we wanted to do everything customized or localized for each market, our team would have to be, you know, two, three times bigger than this because you need to have a lot, a lot more overhead to do all the localized stuff, right? Okay, you also mentioned you started hiring at this time. Yeah. Uh, so was this the first time that you have to hire somebody? Some, somebody? Yes, I, uh, I still remember to this day when we have our first job interviews. We were all three in the room and we looked at ourselves in, 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 and I say, I think we were having first job interviews, but none of us ever had any job interviews and we have never been on any job interviews. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I think when we have our first job interviews, we had the same, we were the same, we were also nervous, the same as the people on the other side, I think. <laughs> that was funny. It's funny. I had, I had the same experience, but it was a time, let's say, when internet was still developing, so I had to order a book from Amazon, let's say, wait for two weeks, how to do a job interview, because I also never was... <laughs> Let's say on the other side, let's say. So, yeah, it's a skill that you develop uh, through through time, let's say. Yeah, and after that, you realize that also hiring, managing, leadership, everything is such a skill set, right? And, and in entrepreneurship, right, when you learn a skill set, for example, first we had to learn, I don't know, at least for me, how to market, how to sell, right? And... When I got good at those skills, I got more confidence. I'm going to also learn other skills easily, right? So when you realize it's just a skill and you can learn it, it's a lot easier to go after it then, I think. Uh, this is also the reason, let's say, when I'm discussing with entrepreneurs who want to exit the business, mm-hmm. uh, they are sometimes surprised that they have to be replaced with three people. That's not just one because, they, let's say, entrepreneur is has such a new, unique experience set because it was acquired along the way, that there's no one on the market that can replace them. So at that time, let's say you still, now you're in two markets, let's say you started to hire people. Was at any time at your at this stage of your development a cash flow, uh, let's say, an issue, let's say? So did you have, uh, did you have to, let's say, start looking into the finances uh, and uh, managing them more carefully? No, I'm really happy that we didn't run into any big issues. There were some periods when, for example, us three founders wouldn't pay our salaries, for example, for a couple months. Other than that, not really, which is really fortunate, I would say. Yeah. I say it's probably also it has to do with something on your side, let's say. So how did you approach uh, setting prices then? Because in digital projects, this is sometimes 
where you can leave most money on the table, let's say, if you don't set your prices right? We always set the prices how we believe that customer would still pay the price, right? We, we always want it to be priced that it still can be an impulse buy so that someone would just came from an ad and make a purchase on the spot, right? So it has to be below 100, maybe even below 50 euros, but still you want to price it that because later when we expand to other markets, for example, Germany, our, our programs were a little bit more expensive, right? Because we also wanted to adjust prices in terms of the uh, exposable income that people have, right? So you approach the pricing from the market perspective and not, let's say, from a, a gross margin perspective, let's say, how, how much cost do you have, let's say, producing the product and so on, and when are you break even? Uh, no, at first, no, because those were really digital products, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, weight loss program, workouts, those really fall into the category of digital product, right? Where the where the initial cost to produce it is really uh, small, and the majority of the cost actually goes to marketing, right? Now it's a little bit di- now it's a little bit different because now our main business are food supplements, and I guess we'll talk more about this later. Now we do some adjustments on how much it takes for to produce it. Okay, so yeah, now you mentioned you already now you transition to let's say completely adjacent market, let's say let's say food supplements. How did you came to a point? Very assessed. Okay, this is actually more lucrative market for us. Yes. So in 2016, we started our own supplement line called Golden Tree. The reason for starting this was we got a lot of feedback, a lot of questions from our existing customers. What kind of supplements do we recommend, and so on? Right. A lot of questions, and. First, we started to sell some other supplement just as a wholesaler. Right? We bought it wholesale and, and sell it to the customers. And our margins were so bad that it didn't even make sense. And we just thought, hey, why wouldn't we just create our own supplement line? And in 2016, we created our own supplement line. And we started to adding products like really slowly, like one product, each couple months, right? It's not, we didn't want to do a whole line at once because at this, at, at that stage, you just get like a generic product that already everybody has and so on. So we wanted to really develop a special products that we can di- differentiate on the marketplace with also premium prices and, all, and premium quality, right? This was 2016 and then I would say around 2019, we kind of realized that there's a much more bigger potential for food supplements than actual online programs, right? And in 2019, 2020, we did a complete pivot, I would say, when we said now we're going to completely focus on the nutritional supplements, food supplements, right? Okay, so let's say with this, now you 
let's say, transition from the digital world, let's say, completely digital product to somewhere where you have to deal with supply lines, product, uh, uh, let's say, description, developing products with probably outside partners and so on. How steep was the learning curve? Um, that's, that's very interesting because when we were starting our own supplement line, it was... It's, it's, it's a new category, it's a new territory, right? You don't know what you're getting into it. You, you're not sure how the development works, manufacturing, everything, right? But when we started to research things, we quickly realized that it's actually quite easy because <laughs> you have all the manufacturers, contact manufacturers, that you just come to them, tell them what you want, you know, design a label and they're going to do everything for you, right? But you need to know what you want. This is, usually this is the hard, the hard part because... Yeah, probably then I, you're an ideal customer. Let's say if you come to them and tell them, okay, I want this, this is everything they need as an input and they're really happy, let's say. Yes, yes. Because, you know, when you're developing different food supplements, you have thousand different options what you want to do, right? It depends on the product, but, you know, uh, flavors, all, all different stuff, right, that you can do. So I always say to anyone who is asking me, should we start our own supplement line or should we import a supplement line? I always say uh, on the long run, you're, you're going to be much more happier with your own supplement line if you had some budget to start with. Because obviously at the beginning, it's a little bit budget intense, capital intense, right, because you need to buy uh, more inventory because if you would import other supplements usually the uh, minimal quantities are, are lower right so so what is it in your company's culture that you have that you understand your customer so well that you can formulate uh, this is exact supplement that our customers will want and buy we we were just listening to the customers what they were asking us on in on customer support basically you okay know? so so even at this stage you're still as a founder let's say as a, a guy in charge of marketing you are still looking at uh, customer support uh, tickets and uh, interactions i think at this point i was not so much actively involved in this but i know at least one of my partners was that okay that we get a uh, good feedback from it, right? Because look, it was it was very obvious, right? If we're gonna sell a workout program, a lot of people are gonna ask us, or a logical upsell or cross sell would be a whey protein after the workout, right? To regenerate your muscle tissue and so on, right? So our first product actually was uh, a whey a protein powder. Um, which we cross-sell and upsell, upsell to our uh, existing customers, right? And then slowly our supplement line developed, firstly, first just from the feedback from the customers, and later also what we see other trends on the market uh, from the problems that we wanted to sell, right? So next very very uh, successful product of ours was probiotics because we develop a really high quality probiotics and a lot of people have a problem with digestion 
Okay, interesting. So let's say, open in how many markets are you at the moment? Let's say. Right now we are in twelve different markets. So when you opened Croatia, it was easy for you. Let's say you probably also understand the language and so on, and you did a copy paste at the time. What was the first market, let's say, where you were uncomfortable, let's say, opening it when you went into and say, okay, I don't know if we have enough information about this regarding this market. With Croatia, I guess we were a little bit lucky, right? Because it was starting to work right off the bat, right? We were just we just translated the content and we basically ran Facebook ads and it was I think it was profitable maybe second week we started to to advertise and everything, right? So it, it, we were kind of lucky there. And after that we had to decide which country is going to be next, right? And I know at this time a lot of my my uh, friends that were also in e-commerce they usually choose this route, right? We're gonna so the next country is gonna be Slovakia or the next country is gonna be Czech Republic, right? Or Hungary. Usually usually friends would go that route. But I was thinking I said, look, let's let's make a bold move and just go after the biggest one, Germany. Because at the end of the day, at least this was my thinking back then, at the end of the day you spend the same amount of time if this is how I thought, right? If we're going to try to crack Germany, it's going to take us the same amount of time if we're going to try uh, Hungary, for example, right? So so we just went after Germany. Uh, well, I should say German-speaking market because we opened Germany and Austria at the same time, basically. Um, and... We quickly learned that Germany is not going to be as easy as Croatia. <laughs> what, what, uh, was the, what were the symptoms? <laughs> Most, well, first, uh, first what we learned later, obviously, is this: we had a, 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 a bad approach of opening new countries. Because how we would open a new country back then starting with Croatia, is we would do the same thing as we opened Slovenia. So we would first start with free content marketing. We would start doing blog posts, posting on social media and so on, right? So this was very slow. For Germany, it took us six months, I think, before we actually start selling something. Because we were still a small team, right? We need to, you know, translate everything, translate programs, and it, it was, I think, six months went by when we started to sell our first program. And when we started selling, it was unsuccessful, right? It was not selling well. People wouldn't buy. Our ads were not profitable and, and so on, right? And I think it was just the competition. The competition was much stronger than in Slovenia and Croatia. And, and here we learned a valuable lesson that when opening new markets, we change the mentality. And now that we open a new market, we just try to make revenue as fast as possible. So when we open a new market, we want to translate only the core content so we can just start to run ads, right? And when we start to run ads for the best selling products, 
usually we are profitable right out of the gate now with the new countries. Not all of them, but most. And at least you get an immediate feedback, let's say, to see if the product is well, is a good fit for the market. Exactly. We get feedback right off the bat, uh, right off the bat, and we also get revenue going in. And then we have revenue going in for new markets. Then we start to develop more, right? Then we translate all of the content on our website and not all the content from at the beginning, but slowly, right? Slowly. Because it's a lot more healthy for the company to start getting revenue in and then you expand and develop, right? Okay, but uh, let's see, what is the your experience, let's say, running this market centrally from Slovenia, let's say? So is there any problem, let's say, this cross-European e-commerce from the organizational perspective or from, let's say, buyers in other countries? Do they want to buy locally or they are comfortable, let's say, buying from the company from another country? Well, yeah, we we had a lot of fear about this because when we were opening Germany, we had this fear that people are not going to buy from us because we didn't we didn't want to we we wanted to look like locals right in germany we didn't want to look like we are from slovenia and everything and one of the reasons was that we also opened a company in uh, uk for that so we can put the company on the website and everything right but later we realized that when you're selling business to customers what we do, right, B2C, I think it doesn't make much difference. Of course, you, you want to look native, your English needs to be, not English, German or any language needs to be on point, right? Everything needs to be perfect, right? But customers don't really go and see what what company is behind the, the operations, uh, usually, right? So in Germany, you also started with these courses or you started with uh, supplements right away? Yes, in Germany, we started with, with courses. The weight loss course was quite unsuccessful. Then the workout uh, the workout program was, was okay, but not a huge success. And uh, later, we see much more success with, with supplements because... I think the year 2019, Slovenia was still our biggest market, right? Although, although I think in 2019, we were only present probably uh, maybe four or five markets. I'm not sure exactly, but Slovenia was still the biggest. And the real breakthrough, I think, happened in 2020 when other countries become much bigger than Slovenia, right? Germany now taking lead with uh, 40% of our sales coming from Germany now and Austria. And yeah, I mean, the whole dynamic, it's, it's much, much different than a couple of years ago. I have, uh, let's say, another question. Let's say, coming from a small market and now, let's say, you are successfully successful in the largest market in Europe, let's say. Were there some things apart from, let's say, a lot more competition that you didn't expect, let's say, when you were opening? Uh, were there some other things that you have to unlearn, let's say, uh, some limits, uh, artificial limits in your mind that you have to let go because now the market is much bigger and the playing 
let's say the playing field is much bigger, let's say, so you don't have to worry about some things that in smaller markets you have to. I think the biggest thing we had to unlearn or go through is when you're only present in Slovenia, right, you might do some things that would not scale or wouldn't make sense on other markets. So for us, it was crucial to start to change our mindset and start thinking that everything that we do, all the actions that we do, it needs to be for all the markets that we're in, right? At the moment, it doesn't make sense for us to make a specific campaign in Slovenia just for Slovenian market, right? It doesn't make sense for us in terms of resources, manpower, everything, because we need to think that everything we do needs to be for all the countries. If, if you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know. Let's say my experience is, let's say when I did a, when I took over a company in Italy that we acquired, uh, it was a little bit of turnaround situation. It was that in Slovenia, you're, in small market, you are quite soon limited, let's say, with some add-on products. This doesn't make sense to develop because the cost-benefit uh, ratio, you wouldn't get as much money in that you would need to cover even the cost of development. While in Italy, with 60 million people and a larger customer base, let's say, add-ons were, for me, like great margin uh improvement let's say because uh, add-ons usually had really good margins as the way that i set it up and at, if you just uh, let's say successfully go through your customer base and attach it to existing products it was let's say really successful activity while in small market it would never work because uh, let's say the additional uh, let's say gross margin that you would get would be still so small amount that it would not make sense yeah so yeah, and I, and I can maybe give two examples, right? So a lot of people ask us, why don't we do any live events or why don't we attend any live events as a brand, right? Or maybe as Mika, as, a, as our spokesperson and, and so on, right? And we simply don't do this because we focus on the larger picture and we want to, if, 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 because it's only for Slovenia, right? I mean, Obviously, it would help develop Slovenian market and everything, but our focus is really Europe, right? And then also people ask us, okay, why aren't you guys in uh, wholesale uh, shops, right? You know, uh, why don't you put your supplements in in offline stores, right? Yeah, in retail. Retail, exactly, retail, yeah. Um, and we were like, we see much more potential online. You see, we have, we need to... Our vision is that we are, you know, number one brand in Europe and our main channels are online. So we don't want to put any focus in retail right now because we still see a lot, a lot of potential in our online channels that we want to develop. Okay. As we're nearing the end, let's say, of our uh, conversation today, maybe as a last question, what would your advice be to somebody from a, let's say, a small country, maybe in Balkans, or uh, let's say, who want to, let's say, go international with their successful product locally? What's the one thing that uh, they should really be, let's say, focusing on? Yeah, in, good question. Although it's it's hard to give really a general general advice, 
or answer here because it always depends on the situation, right? What is the product? What is the service? What are the markets? And so on. At first, I would just start with the question, what do you actually want? Because if you are a number one service or brand in your country, there is nothing wrong with that. It's, it's an amazing goal to have. It's, it, I, don't, I don't believe that any brand or service needs to scale to other countries and so on. So first, just ask yourself as an owner, uh, what do you really want from this? And if your answer is, okay, yes, I want to scale globally, I want to scale to other countries, then first I would maybe ask, would it be, do you see maybe a vision or potential to scale to English-speaking markets? So that would be globally, right? If you do it in English, you have a global market at your disposal. Because sometimes, and I think us entrepreneurs are too afraid to just go global, Right, because I think we, it, it is much more competition, obviously, but also a lot more uh, potential to grow on everything. So I think I would ask that: Do you see potential in maybe going global with English language? If not, then Europe, obviously, very good markets to go after. And I think uh, when you go after Europe you can actually learn a lot from also the English speaking uh, competitors or, uh, or um, competitors from the States, because I always think in how I see our trends also developing is Europe is always a couple of years behind what's going on in the United States, I would say. So if you really follow the trends in uh, globally or in the States and you try to do something similar in Europe, it's uh it could be a good idea other than that yeah i think i think this yeah. is it <laughs> i believe that this, let's say this, there are quite a few uh nuggets of really good advice let's say here so Matej, uh i would first like to thank to all the listeners who listen uh, us till the end and thank to you let's say for sharing your story and especially like let's say the attitude that uh have towards business let's say and uh, scaling and so on so thank you again thank you Rush. thank you for having me it was it was fun to share hopefully it was uh, helpful to a lot of people and if every, anyone has any questions uh, happy to yeah let's connect with me on messenger or any other social media and i'm happy to to help if you like this episode please subscribe to the podcast and do not forget to tell your friends about it. I'd really appreciate if you tell me which entrepreneur would you like me to interview next. Just email me at podcast at bootstrapentrepreneurs.eu. The episode show notes are available at www.bootstrapentrepreneurs.eu. See you next week 